Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. All you need is a ball. The official podcast of the WFFA. Hi, I'm Daniel Rosenboom, and for 15 years I've traveled the world as a freestyle footballer. Join me in telling the story of the most popular sport that you've never heard of. Well, we're speaking to the big personalities that make freestyle what it is and their amazing journey from the streets to the stage. Are you guys ready? It doesn't matter where you are or who is watching. When it comes to freestyle, all you need is a ball. Yes! Oh, yeah! That was insane! Oh, yes! Welcome to the world of freestyle. Welcome to the official podcast of the WFFA. On this episode of All You Need Is A Ball, I talk to one of the people who has helped shape freestyle into what it is today. Dan Wood is one of the founders of the WFFA and has seen lots of changes in the sport over the years. And he has exciting ambitions for the future. We can disrupt the whole sporting landscape with freestyle. And ultimately, therefore, if we can provide a way of living and income and support for thousands more freestylers to travel and represent their country, why wouldn't we? Dan told me about how freestyle continues to grow, but it hasn't always been easy. I thought it was done. And then about an hour later, they called me back in. And I kid you not, they literally pulled out a suitcase with 20,000 US dollars in and said, please make this happen. I've known Dan for a long time, so thankfully I don't have to bribe him to come to the podcast. So without further ado, let's hear from Dan Wood. I'm here with my good friend and colleague from the WFFA, co-founder and head of partnerships, Mr. Daniel Wood. Daniel, what's up, man? All is good, my friend. How are you? I'm very good. I'm excited to talk to you today. Um, although we've been friends and colleagues for many, many years, I think we can take it to the next level, Dan, today. I think maybe I'll get to know some new things about you today. Let's do that. Everything's on the table. I'm excited. So my first question to you is, where in this big world are you today? Because you're a guy, you're always on the move. You're all around the world. So where's home right now? That's a great quite great starting point. Yes. Um, guilty pleasure, massive addiction to travel, as, you, as you've said. 
Uh, my base is Berlin in Germany for now, uh, where my son goes to school. So I, I moved my best base here uh, during, thanks to COVID, it was a, a blessing in disguise for me. <laughs> so nice. So I live in Berlin now, but you grew up in a, in a smaller town in the UK, right? Correct. Yeah. So I'm from uh, the southwest of England, a very small town called Yeovil in Somerset, uh, which is where yeah, I went to school, studied at Bournemouth University in, in the UK as well, and, uh, and started my first business back in the south of England as well, which is how I, how I first stumbled into streets, street football and freestyle football. So before we get into that, right, your whole journey within freestyle football, the federation, everything, like I was thinking this morning, all right, I'm going to interview Dan Wood today. And the two things that came to my mind is one, you like up waking up very early and two, you're always extremely positive. Have, have you always been like this? Uh, yes, as far as I can certainly remember. I think it's... Uh... It's it's growing. It's everything's about the environment you grow up in, right? That's I think how everyone is influenced by so many factors around them, um, whether from, from extreme levels from political side of things, right the way through to just social, you know, feelings and uh, and family. So yeah, my family have always been the same. I just grow, grew up with being a morning person. I love uh, I love getting up bright and early. I'm one of part of the five a.m. club. I noticed this morning. <laughs> <laughs> You point out every time you get a, an update note at that sort of time. Um, yeah, so as long as I can remember. And uh, it's part of, again, everything else I do is is having that positive outlook and, and optimism to, you know, look for new opportunities all the time. Well, it got you this far. So I think it's a great thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so this podcast is called All You Need Is A Ball. And if I'm not mistaken, you're actually the one created that created the slogan. Or, or am I wrong? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Well, again, similar to similar to what freestyle is, though, I, I would hesitate to say I created it, but um, certainly, uh, you know, there was a there was a conscious effort back in two thousand and nine initially. Uh, so well before the actual concept of having a federation was ever out there. Um, but yeah, I was I was plotting lots of different ideas, and uh, you know, after a number of experiences already and, and meeting of the community. I just literally became big brother to the to, to the community and fell in love with the people and, and the, the vibe of everything. And I thought, how how good would it be to try and get everyone together? So again, but way before any talks of doing anything strategically, it was just, let's just get everyone together. And what if on one day, um, which now is September 1st, you know, World Freestyle Day, I was like, what if we could just see how many people could juggle a ball and freestyle together and share their experiences with everyone? And, you know, after chatting to people, it was all you need is a ball. It was as simple as that. So that became the hashtag and, and the slogan ever since. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a great slogan. It's like super effective, easy, and everybody understands what it is. Like you only need a ball. But I, I think it's 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 more to it, right? I think the ball is also a way of maybe changing your life, growing confidence, things like this, inspire people. I don't know what did you have that idea already back then, or was it just like you only need a ball? No, that was that was entirely the idea, absolutely. And I, and you see, you know, every sport will talk in a similar train of thought, especially football. Um, you know, they'll they'll also say all you need is a ball. But of course, as we know, you also need 10 teammates and an opposition and a referee and a trainer, blah, blah, blah. So um, I think we've got the strongest case for all you need is a ball out of all the sports. Definitely. For, for me, yeah, aside from the individuals and the people that really inspired me and, and I, I wanted to help in whatever way I could, it was it was the attraction of the ball, which was the, I just saw this amazing 
um, you could say I kind of studied it in, in a way, like people's reactions to the ball. And I just watched so many people around freestylers, around street footballers. And, and as you know, you know, from the streets of Amsterdam, when you were doing your thing back in the day, hundreds of people within seconds, minutes will be gathering around and they're just drawn to the ball. And then they see you juggling and doing tricks and, and balancing it in every part of the body. People are, are, are mind blown. And um, so, yeah, I was like, wow, this is all you need is a ball to learn and to be a better person and to be positive and all of the rest. So, yeah, for me, it was a vehicle um, to, to be, you know, what, what can we teach through the ball was, was the reason I, I kind of started this journey. Wonderful. Like, I was also thinking back about the first time we met. I don't know if you remember this, but you uh, fixed a tour for me and Paula and Nam in India. Yep. <laughs> and um, I, I still remember this so clearly. We arrived in, it was Bangalore, I think, in India. We just had to change flight twice. We were tired. We were sweaty. We were waiting for a taxi. And we were sitting outside the airport on a little bench. And I remember this very clearly. And suddenly you go up to me and you go like, Dan... I have this idea of the best freestylers in the world coming to bed together and like touring the world. I think you were making some kind of reference to maybe the Champions League or something. I can't remember the details, but where did they come from and when was that? Well, um, initially that was... So yeah, so this this is again before thinking really that we need to have a governing body of any sorts or anything. This was, you know, just embracing what already was, which was an amazing freestyle community. Yes. Um, and then learning as well, seeing, you know, surfing leagues and skateboard leagues and all these other amazing like urban sports who are on TV, looking at different formats. Um, so where the, the idea of what then became the F3 World Tour, ultimately, that was where we, we ended up. It was first talked about by our dear friend Adriano Franco down in Johannesburg. Oh. So I was down there with uh, Soccer X, one of the football expos that I work closely with. Um, there's a yeah business to business networking, marketing opportunities. And I was there with Abbas Farid and met up with Kamalio and Chris Nyokwana. And, um, what a legend, all legends, right? Those guys. Oh, incredible oh. people, really. And um, yeah, and, and so we just got to chatting and we, we, we spent hours just formulating plans and ideas and oh, wouldn't it be great to do this? And, and so I give Adriano full credit there. He, he was the, the first one to say, we should do this as a tour. We should do, you know, multi-cities. Let's talk six or eight cities. You've got to pre-qualify to get there. So kind of that was maybe the Champions League-esque vibe where, you know, based on your ratings throughout the whole year, you then get the chance to qualify for the following year's competition. Um, yeah, so it was it was purely daydreaming, scribbling ideas and uh, and then testing the water, obviously, and, and you know, chatting to you and Lucaso and, and others to to see whether there was scope to, to do it. Nice, nice, nice. Well, it worked, all worked out pretty well, but we get <laughs> we get into that later. So, who was the actually the when was the first time you saw someone actually doing like uh, doing it around the world, or did you see a performance? Or so for me, it was in two thousand and five. My most vivid memory of this, um, I was like everyone that you know on this series, especially have, have pointed out the Joga Bonita phase of you know the early 2000s with with Nike commercials the Ronaldinho's everything on the main stage you saw it but I, I still didn't really appreciate that I played football my life and 
could juggle the ball, but I never even attempted that. I was a, an English striker, so <laughs> turn and shoot, that was my job. Um, so yeah, it wasn't really done in childhood. It was 2005, a childhood friend of mine, um, Darren, who, who I started my first business with. He was a skills coach. He, he actually took his street skills into the main game of football as a skills coach at Leeds United and Bradford City. Um, and he had this kind of vision of fusing dance and music with, with street football. And ultimately that formulated into three versus three street football. So um, I just loved it. I thought, wow, this is a great, exciting you know, niche that nobody else is touching. And at, and at that time you were working full time for, for another company, right? Correct. I was at Reebok at the time. So I was working at Adidas and then I moved to Reebok. And um, yeah, I was just you know, looking for my own thing. I didn't know where and what. And, uh -huh. um, yeah, and so so took, caught up with him and saw what he was doing and how he applied some of the street skills. He wasn't a freestyler per se, but he could do in around the world. He could. He was a very, very good street soccer player. Um, and uh, yeah, I thought, oh, this is this is interesting. And literally within six months of that starting is is when we crossed paths at least virtually with yourself and Palais and the whole Monta crew and uh, and Toft and all the Danish crew and it was a whirlwind of uh, literally the first six months of, of that program we were like wow this is this is bubbling into something huge. So I remember if I think myself back in the days there was a lot of I call them like sharks almost in that time there was a lot of manager types uh, marketing people that tried to get into this straight football freestyle scene, right? Did, did it feel for you like you had to prove yourself in some kind of way or, or did you feel accepted by the community at that time? Because remember, I was quite skeptical of people like you in the beginning that tried to come into our sport. So how did that feel for you? Absolutely. And and I would say it's still this, exactly the same today, to be very honest with you. Um, what, what, what it is, if you step back and look at the the opportunity at first glance of freestyle, is it's highly energizing, it's exciting entertainment. And, you know, that that in itself is a fusion for dollar bills. Like that is how the, the marketing world looks at it and goes, hmm, millions of eyeballs, oh, lots of content, oh, events, oh, athletes that we could that could talk about our brand. So so the the natural I think it, and so it's not a bad thing. It's a natural like gut instinct for most people to say, can I get involved? Can I make some money? But it's just classic to see the cycle go literally. It's like an 18 month cycle with every single person that I've, I've met along the journey in, in that classification, as you described, um, who see it, who say the right things, then they get excited and they sign up a few people exclusively. And then they do one or two deals and they keep more than the margin that's kind of generally accepted, you know, your 20% commission or whatever. They try and keep 50 once or something. The community talks and then they get busted and then they move and they get their yes. Oh, I've seen that many times there. Oh. I've seen it many times there. All over and over and over. So yeah. I, I mean, I didn't know that at the start, but I could feel it. And I, and for me, I just didn't want to be an agent. Simple as that. I, marketing is my thing. I studied sports marketing. I get it. I know international you know, relations. I know how to, to brand and, and to build a business. Um, but it just didn't excite me or interest me. So I got involved. As you said, You know, I sent freestylers off at various time on tours and, and I work with clients on various packages. But my interest was always greater. It was always just, I, I don't want anything from you in return. I don't want to manage you I don't want to you know if you want more help ask for it and I'll do my best but I'd rather forward gigs directly to you and let you just go and do your thing 
than be a middleman because that I feel for me that devalued my offering to the community. I was like, I can do more than that. So, when was the moment when you thought, let's let's organize it, let's do more, like let's make this an official sport, let's let's build this? When was that? So, uh, well, the official turning point would have been the same time as as we spoke. So it was around two thousand nine, two thousand ten. It was there were ideas galore. I remember. So that was after I'd I'd gone through a my first experience of, of bankruptcy due to just uh, me and Darren, my former business partner, parting ways, not on the greatest of terms. And um, I just loaded too much debt on myself. So I had to, to reset. And I had, you know, part of my rebuilding and resetting of things was just concepts and ideas. And I had, I remember it clearly, I'd put together 11 slides. I had 11 PowerPoint slides. Each one had a different concept on. I love your slides, Dan. You, you have legendary presentations. I love them. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and I went out shopping, basically, I went to every agency that I'd worked with or that I'd had connections to, and I was just teasing ideas with each of them, um, as well as the main infamous trip to Malaysia, which we'll probably come back to later. And, and one of them was the idealism of, of freestyle and how there's an event concept there. And the second one related was, you know, is there a federation structure that, that could be built, but it wasn't a plan it wasn't in my agenda to do it it was more like let's just test the water and see what people say so i did that with you with again pale with jian kwan with abbas with nam the man um so many others that I, I feel bad for not saying everyone's name but i literally just said what do you think what do you want because at that time of course red bull street started started as well and, and already my relationship with abbas was such that he was I was already seeing the commercial negativity, let's say, on one level. The logo, the logo you're you're wearing still today, you know, is is a direct imitation of a certain pose that Abbas had, and Abbas got zero creds for that. And I was like, hmm, there needs to be a bit of support here for the athletes and for what's going on. I think support, that's 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 the key word here, I would say. Yes, 100%. Yeah. So I, I just listened. All I did, I just threw the ideas out there to you, to everyone, and said, what do you think? What do you want? Um, and the feedback was unanimous. I mean, everyone was like, yeah, man, let's, let's get together. Let's, let's provide some unity. And before I knew it, there was 26, I counted them up. There was 26 country representatives around the world. Um, and I was like, oh, here's the foundation of a network. Here we have the, the basics of a, of a global network that could just keep growing. Because freestyle is really community driven sport, right? Like, everyone is so tight. They're all meeting up. They're all talking. It's the value of it. Yeah, that's what a what a community is 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 the value of a product, and and this freestyler just epitomizes it with the the friendship values, the respect values, the the way people learn from each other. You could be the world champion or an absolute first time beginner, like my son was at Super Bowl this year at age ten. Oh yes, just hanging out with everyone, and everyone helps one another. It's a it's an amazing community. All you need is a ball. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You are right now the head of partnerships. I think a lot of people, even freestylers, don't really know what that exactly means. So maybe you could take us through a little bit like, what do you do on a daily basis? Tell us a little bit more about that, what you, what you do at the Federation. I shall try my very best. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> it's not an easy one, I know. Yeah. So yeah, as, as with any startup, which I still class us as, and, and that's probably, again, something to come back to later, but the, the, any kind of small set up everyone does everything right we all help out with with absolutely everything my thing from the beginning was again how do i provide structure and support to the community and how can we empower freestylers to become leaders and to grow the sport from the streets so you could look at my role in in multiple multiple ways but where i've spent a lot of the time and where i enjoy the most time is around partnerships i love we joke, we joke about this all the time, but my favorite word is to schmooze, uh, to, to, which basically means to chat a lot and to get to know and get friendly with, you know, clients with whether that's a sponsor or a city or whoever it, a media partner, um, but to, to become a, you know, an indispensable part of their world is kind of how I position myself. So I love, I understand the corporate just as much as the community. I'm a kind of medium between both sides. Um, I try and make sure that the, the clients, aka the sponsors like Red Bull, are, are happy that they get the returns that they want for being involved. And I'm always looking for new ones. So I'm just talking, basically I'm talking a lot. I'm traveling a lot. I'm meeting people, socializing and bringing people into the community. So just as, a, as an example, do you first get someone excited for freestyle and then uh, connect them to a specific tournament? Or do you first have a tournament and then think, Oh, maybe this sponsor should fit with that, or or does it doesn't work like that? Uh, I could I can't really say it works exactly like either at the moment. It's a bit fifty fifty. Uh, the reality is, it's all very organic still. Like we we don't have any seed funding. We've never had it. We just grow from event to event. We are very fortunate to have a, a great partner in Red Bull who have supported from day one, uh, before day one, as you know. With definitely the yes, street style. So that has definitely been a huge factor. But it's also with a small team, you can't do too much more. So we've had to just focus on what we've got in. Front front of us so i would say to answer your question it is more about uh not it's not even selling it's just passionately talking about the beautiful get community. them excited yeah. yes yes but i think also freestyle kind of sells itself right like that's when, another good point when you show a trailer of 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 ireland doing a show flow which for obvious reasons has millions of of, of uh, views on facebook and whatever like people go Wow. Exactly. So now, you know, that's vis visual visual representation 100% works way better than my voice ranting on for sure. Um, so yeah, I, I try and show video, I try and show, you know, demo of, of events that have gone past. 
And then we're constantly creating. We're, the word freestyle for me is really important, not just because of the sport, but we evolve. We're, we're in business talk, you could say an agile business, which I, I hate using that word, but it's about adapting to new opportunities and not being rigid in the, in the formal way that sport normally is governed and saying, this is our asset. This is how we commercialize. This is how we do this. Like, yeah, there are certain things that have to be in place for, for a TV, you know, um, partner to, to get on board and say, yes, we're going to take the stream onto our channel. They need to have some assurances and schedules. That's it. Yeah. But, um, but otherwise, you know, let's, let's challenge the norm and let's create something new. Not every time, because that's a lot of work, but <laughs> we're, we're all up for, um, improvising. Nice. So we've been on, on many crazy adventures, right? We've been all around the world. I mean, you're already laughing. Like, what, <laughs> could you like just tell us one crazy, like, for example, China? That was pretty crazy, right? China was interesting. Well, China, China's got so many stories <laughs> to tell here. I'm going to give. I definitely got one. I would uh, that, that challenged me personally, actually, for 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 the in a very unexpected way. Um, but no, to begin with, with China, that was, of course, the first time that Ronaldinho heard about the, the Federation, Ooh. thanks to Raphael Senden, the guy who, who connected it all and made it all happen. Um, he was carrying around one of our stickers, the, the Freestyle Football Federation Stickman stickers. And um, they, they were traveling through an airport, I think it's through Shanghai. And he just pointed at the sticker and just said, what the heck's that? Freestyle on my beach. What, what are you doing with freestyle? <laughs> and, uh, and that was how it started. And that evolved into, you know, recognizing him as an ambassador for the sport, which was amazing. Uh, but no, we, we did an event, didn't we, in, in Beijing. So that that was what Raphael set up for us. It was amazing trip, like incredible everything. I, I don't think there's any, uh, any person who was part of that trip that hasn't got a story to tell. Yeah, I know Padrinho has because he lost his passport at the nightclub. Exactly. Yeah, that was, a, that was another one. No, for me, that was uh, so the, the night before the competition, um, I was presented with a football. So this was, uh, and I, it was Red Bull, but it wasn't the Red Bull that we know and work with. China had a different office back then um, for, for Red Bull. They'd created a, a, a ball specifically for the event and assumed that everyone was going to use it. Um, and basically, yeah, I was landed with that the night before the, the final competition in the hotel. The whole of the Red Bull team were there and they sort of cornered me and said, you need to make sure that everyone uses this ball. And I was like, no, we don't. Not ideal at all. And I was just, you know, taken aback because we'd been very specific about that. That's one of the key values is self-expression and originality. As you know, for freestyle, you, you, you can't, we don't want to, I say, you, not that you can't, you definitely can, but um, we don't want to restrict people's movement or ideals by telling them what ball they should use or what clothes they should wear. This should be about your own get up. So, yeah, so I, I kind of, and we repeated that well before the event all the time, but still it was in their mindset that they wanted everyone to use the branded ball. Um, so I, yeah, I had the meeting. I was a bit shaken. I came out, I spoke to you, I spoke to Lucaso and Steve, and, and we were talking about it, you know, FYI, this has happened. But I thought it was done. And then about an hour later, they called me back in and they were, because they were still there. And, uh, and I kid you not, they literally pulled out a suitcase with 20,000 US dollars in and said, please make this happen. We need everyone to use this ball. Um, so this was what, 2000 and 
14, right? I believe. So three years into a, three years after setting up a sport and a, and a, and a governing body, we're, we're dealt with our first um, issue around, uh, you know, bribery offers or whatever you want to call it. Um, so I'm not going to lie. It, there was a moment of looking at that going, wow, that's more than I can ever imagine seeing. Um, <laughs> we weren't in it to earn money. We, no, one, no one has earned salaries since that, since day one. You know, this is all about um, building the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. No, but again, on, on moral principles of, of what, how I've grown up again, my mindset, what I knew the community needed and, and wanted and expected, it was not even a consideration. I was like, Sorry, yeah, this, this, if anything, you've, you've just ruined the opportunity of anything being talked about further because we don't deal like this at all. And I walked out of the room and we just turned up the next day and did our thing. It was fun. It was an interesting trip. It was fun, but it was, it was great. I mean, especially I think the years, like, so it started in 2011, right? In Kuala Lumpur, the F3 World Tour. And then we went to London, went to China, to Canada. I mean, those were good years, I would say. Absolutely. No, we've, we've been to some amazing locations across all six continents. Um, yeah, we, we have ridden an amazing wave so far and there's lots more to come. Oh yeah, we're just getting started. So you're basically the guy, you make the tournaments happen, kind of, right? Because we need the mon- money, we need the sponsors, we need the cities. Do you sometimes feel the weight of, on, on your shoulders? Like that the community is like relying on you getting stuff done for sure uh, but i think we all do i think i think we're all in this again everyone's in it together most of the certainly the top athletes anyway who we've worked with for a number of years and got to know very very closely they understand the story so it's not too bad but yeah i mean from from day one you know the the expectation was always there um i remember straight after kuala lumpur in in 2011 uh, Andrew Henderson won it, of course. He was 19 at the time, the, you know, insane talent. Everyone was just all over him. But he was still, this is his first real eye-opening experience to it all. And uh, I remember myself and a few others of us, you know, talking to him afterwards saying, be ready, mate, because, you know, this is the start of a, a big career for you. There's going to be sponsorships. There's going to be money. And and in hindsight, yeah, we hyped it because we were all on such a high. We were like, this is amazing. We we can only go up from here. But of course, the reality is you, it's it costs around 200 to 200 to 300,000 US dollars to make one of those events happen. Just the cost. Think about flying everyone in, the hotels, the security, the everything. And that's without paying full-time staff to, to manage things as well. So... Yeah, to start then thinking about prize funds, because realistically, only in the last two, three years have we managed to start building a prize pot that's half respectable even. So anyway, we were very early off the marks and said, promised a lot of things, and that's added to some of the expectation. And then, of course, we get the new newbies coming in now who only know WFFA. They only know of a, of a governing body. So... They don't know, nor do they care, rightfully so. They don't need to. They don't care that it's 11 years old. Like it's from their perspective, an event is an event and, and they, they deserve the best. So yeah, that, it's it's challenging. But you know what? It's it's the best community I've ever met. And so it doesn't matter. Like I just, I take it with a, a pinch of salt. And I know, as you know, with my weekly updates to you, there's a, so many conversations with cities and sponsors going on that 
there's always something that comes in. Nice, nice. I don't know how it was with you, but because the thing is that I know what we do and I know, um, for example, that we don't get rich on, on the back of other people and things like that. But I've, I've still heard those, you know, there's a little bit of criticism sometimes, especially a few years back where people, some people thought that we were getting rich like the people working at the WFFA and like stealing their prize money and things like that. It's just a few rumors that, you know, got spread by a few people. Um, I think sometimes that's a little frustrating because it's absolutely not the case. Um, but yeah, like we do with the can, right? No, totally. No, and, and, and I don't think, again, it's not our role or need to talk the why. Like everyone, people will have their own assumptions about everything in life. They can, they, they will do that in general. So it's part of my positivity. Yes, <laughs> you'll, you'll know. But this is this is how you, you is how you what you portray is what you attract. So if we're constantly nagging and and moaning about the issues and about the money problems, then then people will will respond to that. And we've fallen victim to it to it a few times mm-hmm. for sure mm-hmm. because it's hard. You don't have budget to pay for extra taxis or extra things. It's like if it's not there, yeah. it's not there. But yeah, what I can say, and, and I know you, you've lived, stayed true to this sport for forever because it's your passion. Um, Steve Elias and myself, especially, we we've we put everything in, not blindly, although sometimes it does feel like. That. <laughs> yeah. um, but you know, I, I can tell you that houses have been remortgaged on Steve's sides to to reinvest in freestyle and. I've gone through two bankruptcies and a liquidation just because of I believe in the vision of this and I would rather keep borrowing and improvise and find my way around things than take money out of the sport and from the athletes because that's the priority. Yes. So, as we said, 11 years of the federations, maybe it's good to have a look. Where are we at right now, right? Because how many countries do we do we have now? Hundred and... So 115 countries. Um, we have country leaders. We all, we all, we almost need to applaud. Them. That's that's amazing. <laughs> it's been amazing. It really has. Like seeing it grow from the twenty six founding partners, if you like, of of leader freestylers who who started the movement back then. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember starting the first kind of closed social network back in two thousand and ten before before it was registered. I remember that. Um, mm-hmm. The best story around that was the first first member to join in that was Vanuatu. I don't know if you knew that, but very randomly, the the head of the Olympic Committee in Vanuatu was a was a fan, and he was coordinate every weekend in Port Vila in, in the capital. There are over three hundred um, young people getting together, just jamming and freestyling and, and having fun. So he joined in, like, "Oh, this is amazing! There's a network for freestyle. Yeah, we're doing this over here." Um, so yeah, that was that was pretty cool to see. And then it's just snowballed because the community's growing everywhere. Where you see football, there's football in the streets, and therefore there is freestyle. Yes. So more than a hundred countries. We have Super Bowl. We've had the F3 World Tour. We have Red Bull Street Style every year. So my question to you is then, what's what's next? How are how what's your plan to take over the world in the future? <laughs> Pinky in the brain style. Um, That's it. My favorite cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, well, again, first and foremost, as I keep repeating, this is a collective effort, and and I think the first thing I want to see personally is how the community can own the sport. So what we've got right now is we've got a bunch of amazing leaders and visionaries and pioneers who have got together and doing as much as we all possibly can as volunteers. And that reaches a capacity and, and limitation on, on 
time and and yeah everyone's exhausted a lot of the time but we love it right so to get to the next level i want to see and i'm working on a few model ideas in the web3 space um so i'm quite excited about how we can create a very unique transparent decentralized organization which means the athletes and the leaders would own literally own the sport and make decisions on every aspect of it um so that's one structural thing and then the olympics that's always talked about it's controversial i don't know your feelings on that dan i'll get that in from you um i'm i'm 50 50 like i i can see the benefits of it i i i understand it's 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 good to be part of a bigger thing i understand it's very competitive and there's many eyeballs um but it's a bit on the sporty side for my liking like i think if i look out throughout the years like i used to be I used to have the opinion that freestyle is a sport. That's it. And there's always this other stream of people saying freestyle is an art. But I'm, I'm really, I, I've kind of transitioned into feeling that it's somewhere in between. So to give an answer to your question is that I don't really know. I don't really know. But I'm, but I'm not against it. Like I'm not super against it or anything. Like no. Well, for me, it's really, really, really simple. If you look at it in one avenue, right now we are we're supporting as many as we possibly can, right? There are estimated over 15,000 freestylers in the world competing and, and just j training and enjoying the sport. Uh, way more that are just juggling, but those that are really into the sport. Um, the world finals, which we have coming up, only looks after 24 of them. So to get to the top stage, you've got 24 people have the chance of competing for the world title at the end of the year. Uh, that's a lot of people that are missing out and that could be that are hoping that are dreaming. And so for me, when I think about the Olympic opportunity, it's not about, oh, do we become a political organization just like everyone else? It's like I would I straight away would challenge that. I think no, we can be we can disrupt the whole sporting landscape with freestyle. We can have a different format. We've got, as you know, over 10 different disciplines of events anyway. So maybe one or two of them would be more Olympic ready. And ultimately, therefore, if we can provide a way of living and income and support for thousands more freestylers to travel and represent their country, why wouldn't we? Like that, that for me is a very simple way of looking at it. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, if it, I mean, I, my philosophy is always if it's good for freestyle, I'm in. Right. That's in the end. Like in the end, we want freestyle to grow. We want freestyle to do good, good opportunities for freestylers. So, um, yeah. So. Before we round up, like if you look back, right, and let's say in the last 10 years, everything you, what are you the most proud of? Like your achievement or our achievement, the Federation's achievement? I think the most proud I can be right now on a personal level is the fact that I'm still here <laughs> as a, as a, as a non-freestyler, although I have started training, Dan, I'll be, be warned. Um, all right, all right, all right. For the, for, for the 40 plus competition. <laughs> No, I think as a you know as you as we as we discussed earlier the the commercial challenges, the marketing challenges, people's perceptions, all of that is they they've been there's been lots of challenges. Um, so I'm proud that I'm still here and that we have got so much excitement and interest from all corners of the world. Um, and as a father, I can say I'm proudest of all now, seeing my son's reaction to the sport and how. He is addicted just from spending, you know, three or four days at Super Bowl around the freestylers, seeing his interpretation, because I've never forced it. I've never pushed him to come to an event before that. He's, he's seen them online, but he's never really been live. Um, 
it's all he talks about. It's all he wants to be. It's all he wants to do. And I think that is a fair sign for me that we can influence and in a positive way, the whole world, you know, young people everywhere to get active. All you need is a ball. You can, you can do it with friends. You can do it on your own. There is zero restriction. You can make your own ball for God's sake. You don't even need to buy a ball. Um, so I just think that accessibility and, and being part of that from foundation is for me super exciting and I'm very proud of it. All you need is a ball, Dan. All you need is a ball, Dan. It was really nice talking to my good friend Daniel Wood. I think he had many interesting things to say on today's episode of the podcast. And I really hope his dreams of freestyle football become an Olympic sport come true. Don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you are listening to the show because there are more awesome guests on the way that I can't wait for you to hear. You can also check out the WFFA website and social channels on Twitch, YouTube and Instagram as well. Thanks for listening. I'll speak to you the next time. And remember, all you need is a ball. This podcast was produced by Voice Work Sports for the World Freestyle Football Association. Sports Social Podcast Network.